Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Weekly Rundown presented by the Minnesota Daily. I'm your host, Nolan O'Hara. This last weekend, we saw the Gophers in the NCAA hockey tournament where they beat Omaha in the first round, but then lost in the second round to Mankato. Um, Anna Landis, our men's hockey beat reporter, is here to talk a little bit about these two games. So we'll jump in there in a little bit. Anna, how's it going? Good. Uh, good to be here. For sure, yeah. I guess, you know, to looking at this first game, Gophers looked really good to beat Omaha 7-2. Um, I guess what was clicking for them in that one? Yeah, they, you know, they came out of the gate looking really good um, after, you know, going kind of back-to-back uh, three games and three nights to win the Big Ten tournament, and they kind of kept that momentum going. And they, um, just to note, they, they came out really fast. They were... Um, you know, they were kind of getting these gritty kind of net front goals. Like, they weren't getting too cutesy with it or anything. I saw it um, also just looking at uh, some highlights here just to refresh my memory a little bit. They were really good at kind of transitioning from, like, out of their zone through the neutral zone and then setting up and creating chances. Um, And they were kind of able to skate around Omaha in a lot of instances. Um... Because going into this game, um, they had not seen any teams from the NCHC at all this year, um, just because of circumstances with, you know, the um, Bob, Mots- Bob Motzko calls it the boogeyman, um, COVID. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good one. So, um, you know, obviously the Big Ten was only playing the Big Ten plus Arizona State, and then the NCHC was only playing each other, and they actually did like a, a bubble sort of scenario so they didn't really see each other and coming into this game if you look at Omaha's roster and you know specifically if you go and you look at all the heights of all the players compared to all the you know heights of gopher players you're kind of like ooh, that could be a problem but in this game they seem to be able to sort of outmaneuver them uh and get some some quality scoring chances and um really kind of took advantage of that and they you know they scored seven goals on the night so not bad. For sure, yeah. I know I, I was planning to watch that game, but I didn't catch a second of it um, after I turned on the Duluth-North Dakota game, and that right. ended up uh, taking longer than the Gophers game did. Um, yeah, set some records, I think. It was like quintuple overtime, five overtime periods. Five so overtimes, yeah. Almost two games in one night. Um, Over two games. Almost three games. Yeah, I don't know. I'm not good at math, but... <laughs> But yeah, it was that was crazy. I mean, um, you know, obviously we were watching at home. We were like flipping back and forth because, you know, Duluth was in overtime and it could be over at any second. And um, Minnesota was they seemed to be doing, you know, they seemed to be handling themselves okay. But yeah, it was, you know, a lot of hockey that night. For sure, that was a good hockey night. Um, and one thing that stood out from the Gophers hockey game, Brock Faber, freshman defenseman, he had five assists. I guess what were your thoughts on the way he played? Um, kind of, you know, doing a little bit of everything for him. Yeah, he. Um, I mentioned this in the gamer I wrote, but I believe he tied a school record for like a single, single night of assists with five, and um, you know, five assists out of a seven goal night. That's really notable. He was. Um, Right from, like, the first goal of the game, he was involved. He was, uh, you know, kind of crashing the net and making plays, kind of getting 
jumped up and getting involved in the play as a defenseman, which um, is something Minnesota's defensemen do really well. I think they are, you know, very modern, sort of like Bobby Orr type defensemen in that they are very mobile and they they score goals and they, you know, they get involved in the play. And he was doing a, a really good job of that on uh, Saturday. Yeah, that seems to really have been the backbone for this team this season. You know, him and Lacombe and and Ryan Johnson, they just they have so many deep they have they have so much depth and at the defense there. Um and like you said, yeah, they're very mobile and able to score and get pucks at the net too. Um then the next game of the tournament, you know, we look at this Mankato game. Um that didn't go quite as well. Uh what were some of the struggles for the Gophers? It seems like they just weren't able to get any shots on net. Yeah, and it kind of, you know, I guess the the Minnesota State game um, or the Mankato game, I've always called them Mankato State my whole life, but, like, apparently that is not the technical way to refer to them. I, think I it's, don't know. I think it's Minnesota State Mankato, but yeah. I think now they're even dropping the Mankato, so I think it's just Minnesota State. I, yeah, so I don't know what they're doing over there. Uh, but. People were chatting about it on Twitter, and I was just like, I, you know the team that's not Minnesota. Um, but basically, they uh, there's a lot of factors that could have contributed to this game, I think. And it's I think that's important because, like, if you just look at it on paper, it's like, wow, they, they really, like, messed up. They really dropped the ball on that one. Like, and you don't – it's hard to understand, like, why because I think um, with the isolation this year also maybe Gopher fans haven't been paying attention to other conferences as much. Um, but – you know, like Minnesota came in, they're in a different time zone. I mean, both teams are, but when they played Omaha, they were playing um, at 9 p.m. Mountain Time, which is 10 p.m., you know, internally, if you've, you know, it's central time. And then uh, the week before that, then they, you know, like I said, they played three games and three nights to win the Big Ten. So they were kind of uh, disadvantaged in that sense in terms of rest. Um, And then also, in the Omaha game, uh, Brandon McManus, he left uh, during the game because he got injured. Um, and so when playing Mankato State, he came out, you know, he said he was going to, I guess he made the decision to, to try and play through it. Um, but he was only able to play about uh, half the game, Motsko said afterwards. Um, and another thing that, that really contributed was um, Mankato State came out and they were like guns blazing right away. And it was um, uncharacteristic for Minnesota because I guess, you know, if you look at the shots by period, um, Mankato State came out or Mankato, whoever, the Mavericks, they came out, they scored, they had 14 shots on goal in the first period. Um, Minnesota had five, which is not great by like any standard compared to, you know, any other game they've played this year. Like that is markedly low. That's, you know, in 20 minutes of play, like, that is not good. Um, And basically what, from my observation, what I really saw as some of the issues is that um, uh, Mankato State was blocking a lot of shots. Um, That was kind of consistent throughout the game. And then also they, uh, Mankato State, was forechecking, like, very strongly. Like, it was complete contrast to the night before, I guess, in terms of their play because – Unlike against Omaha, they Minnesota really struggled to kind of get in their zone and get like sustained uh, offensive opportunities in their own zone. They weren't really able to like establish themselves in their zone and kind of get like their nice little passing going. They weren't really able to come in with their speed. Um, 
And then right away in the first period, Minnesota State, um, they did score, <clears throat> sorry, they did score twice, like right away. And that um, really sort of shifted the momentum. Uh, Motsko said post game, uh, you know, when Mankato State came out and they were playing like that, he said something to the effect of if we had just been able to get through the first period and like kind of held it down and then maybe, you know, gone to the locker room and without those two goals happening, it might have been different. Or if um, we had been able to get one, that you know, that could have been big too, but it was um, – it just didn't happen. And two, I think something that, like, I noticed were – the goals that Mankato State scored, they were sort of like fluky sort of goals. And I noticed this like in uh, the Omaha game too with LaFontaine. One in the uh, Omaha game, I think he just like got screened or he didn't see it. But there was one goal, um, the second goal that Omaha scored, they went five hole. And normally, like I guess LaFontaine, what he tried to do and what you normally do in that situation is if like – you kind of catch it and you kind of like pinch it and then you go away from the goal and then you like let go because like if you don't really have good control of the puck, you want to get away from the goal so it doesn't like trickle in behind you. But he wasn't really able to do that and he was kind of laying just like prone in front of the goal and then he might have got pushed a little bit um, either by his own teammates or just by um, Mankato State. But that goal in the Omaha game was kind of uncharacteristic and then I think – there was one. There was one in the Minnesota State game like that too. The first goal that the Mavericks scored, they they like came around the back of the net um, and like basically just like scooched one in off like in between like the left post and Lafontaine's pad, which normally I I don't know. It was just they were kind of goals where you're like they kind of jar you a little bit I think because you're like oh like that doesn't normally happen. Um, but, yeah, and then just um, from there, I guess, I don't know. Like you said, um, we were talking about this earlier, but um, their offense, just it just wasn't really there. Um, like, face-offs, only two guys on Minnesota's roster went, like, overall, we won, uh, like, 30, 31 of 60 face-offs. But overall... Um, only two players uh, won more face-offs than they lost. Okay, and just looking at these stats online, uh, I had a slight moment of confusion here. But, yeah, okay, so only two of their um, of Minnesota's um, players won more face-offs than they lost. That was Ben Myers and Scott Reedy. Uh, ben won 15 and lost eight, and then Scott Reedy won six and lost two. Um Jackson Nelson, he, like, almost went 500. He won five and lost six. Um, and then notably, Sammy Walker and Blake McLaughlin only won one each out of um, six and four, like, face-offs, respectively. Um, Jack Perbix won three and lost five, so kind of in the middle there. But that, um, while it, it came out to be about half and half, that, you know, through a game, that's sort of not – the stats you want to see coming out of your uh, your centers or your forwards because you, I mean, face-offs are really key to, like, creating that momentum and, like, scoring off of face-offs and, like, all of that. That is really important, and they, they could have had more opportunities to do that, especially because they were struggling so much um, 
to kind of break into their own zone if they had won more faceoffs, um, you know, at the dots in front of Mankato's goalie. That could have that could have changed a lot. Could have given them a lot more opportunities um, to get pucks on net, which they just really struggled to do um, through the first two periods. Um, like I said earlier, they only got five shots on in the first, and then they only got four on in the second period, which is really just like that's like taking five minutes to generate a chance per a period, and that's that's not great. They did a little better in the third um, with 13, but they they just never really got a jump on it. And two, they had um, they had kind of some dumb penalties. That was something they did um, or they avoided doing in Omaha. They only really got in the box, I think, once. And then uh, against Mankato, they got um, two penalties right away in the first um, for tripping, and then they got called for tripping again later in the game. And then, you know, that's kind of a a referee thing, and that kind of changes by game. But, like, that's that's kind of stuff you don't really want to be doing in such an important game. I mean, obviously, you know, it's unavoidable and, and – both teams they played against got penalties on them too. But if you keep that tighter, then you're kind of playing desperate less of the time because, you know, having to kill off all those penalties while you're down and while you're not generating chances, that's that's kind of stressful. And I think in that Mankato game, they were kind of tense, I think, because partly they hadn't really seen a team that was, like, that big um, – and that kind of skated that well and was that older than them. Um, the only really comparable team they kind of saw with um, Mankato's, like, physicality, I guess, would be Notre Dame. But they kind of solved that throughout the, um, you know, in their meetings. They ended up sweeping Notre Dame uh, in the regular season. And I think um, after playing Omaha and kind of beating up on them a little bit, they were like, oh, like, maybe the NCH. And I don't know, but... You know, I think maybe they kind of got like an – they kind of got a little more confident than maybe they should have been and maybe they were – you know, because we saw that a couple times throughout the season. You know, they they swept people and then they got, you know, uh, like eight goal, eight or nine goals scored on them by Wisconsin that one weekend or the one game against Wisconsin. Um, so I think they were playing kind of tense because they didn't really know what – they were getting into like you can you can only like really look at film so like film is only so helpful and obviously it is helpful to a degree especially if you haven't seen a team but I think being on the ice against that was something they just didn't really have experience with and when we kind of saw that this season like when they came up against Notre Dame the first time or when um Madison did that to Wisconsin did that to them they didn't they kind of froze a little bit. They didn't really have a good response. And I think um, Motsko touched on that in his press conference. Um, obviously, that press conference was a little emotional. It was a little it was a little tough because it was – he had been talking, like, these whole – like, this whole last month, basically, or, like, last couple of weeks I talked to him. He was like, you know, these seniors, they've had such a weird year. Um, we have such a good team. I, I want them to be a part of getting this team back to the – Frozen Four, and I think we have the group that's good enough to do that. And to fall one game short is, like, I, I tweeted this out, but it's a heartbreaker of a way for this team to go out because, like, especially to get shut out like that, and it's, I don't know, but he said in his um, in his presser after Mankato State, he did say, 
you know, maybe if we had just had opportunities to see this more, to see teams like this in the regular season, maybe we would have been better prepared for it. But, you know, because we weren't able to or because we didn't see anything like this in the regular season, we weren't, they didn't really, like, have the experience to respond to it. Um, yeah, that's been a struggle for a lot of teams this year, just not having that opportunity to play a non-conference schedule um, on all levels of sports, really, in kind of this amateur world, you know, both in college and in, in high school, too. I know that's been tough for some teams that, like, dominate their conference, but then you get and you play a good team for the first time all year. You're not really sure what to expect, and the Gophers didn't have a chance to play a lot of these more physical t- teams outside of, you know, Notre Dame and then Mankato there um, in the playoffs. But, you know, one thing, too, it's, you know, obviously last game of the season is always a tough one, especially when you're losing, you know, making a playoff run, too. What was kind of the vibe? You mentioned it a little bit about of the locker room and what were some of the things, you know, Motsko and then some of the other guys were saying. Yeah, so um, we heard from Motsko first in the press conference. Um, and he... You know, he, he did say some things about um, – I'm just trying to think here. He said, you know, there were a lot of factors that kind of played into, like, maybe why they didn't have such a good response tonight. Um, and, you know, again, like, kind of the momentum of, like, if they had been able to get one right away in the first period or if they had been able to kind of hold on in that first period and, like, kind of – keep themselves together without getting down by two right away, then that might have changed it a lot. But what he did say um, after, um, too, I I think I asked him um, kind of about, oh, I asked him about the seniors because I've, you know, I've been trying to talk to the seniors for a while, but they, you know, they've been traveling, they've been busy. But what he did say was I asked him, you know, like you, you really wanted this, um, your senior class to like be a part of bringing them back to the Frozen Four because ev- basically every other like important milestone of their senior season, whether that be on the ice or in school, is basically like not really possible right now. Um, and I said like like what are you saying to them right now? And something I've I've always appreciated about Motsko is like he doesn't do the like the like upset male coach thing where he just like snaps or like doesn't respond to a question he said you know he always says something to the effect of like and he said it a couple times in the press conference um like it's gonna take a couple days to like to like know what to say you know because like you're sitting with it right now and it hurts and I appreciate that because like you know some some coaches in in other sports and in hockey they you know so I, I respect the fact that he's like he admits that like it, it's hard to know what to say right now because it hurts. And he said, um, I'm going to read this, just this quote. This quote is in my gamer. If you want to read it, um, if you're listening and uh, always got to plug. the Yeah. Gamers. Always got to plug the gamers. Um, so basically on the senior class, he said, um, and I think, you know, of the team overall, he said they were all in, it was a true team. And we showed that all year long, you know, this, this one game is gonna, and then he kind of trailed off and he said, you take this game to your grave, which was like, oof, like, you know, because I'm like an empathetic person. Like I, you know, I grew up playing sports and I'm like, I know like this stuff is hard to, you know, deal with as like an athlete. And I imagine as a coach, like, like, I don't know how I would, 
I don't know. <laughs> but then he said, um, but this entire season, there were so many positives in it by so many players and our staff. It's just hard to look at right now because you're hurting. And I think that that kind of sums it up. Like, you know, Minnesota not really facing any physical teams. It, it really, it kind of was their downfall in the end. But looking back to the start of the season, they were undefeated for like weeks straight. Like they went 10 and 0. And, really dominant. You know, the they were really dominant. And it's, I think it was, it was a tougher loss because you almost had the Omaha game right before it. And it was like, this is a testament to like when this team is on, like this is what they can do. And they can, you know, we can have our, one of our defensemen who's a, it's his first year playing college hockey. He goes out and he ties a school record. He assists on five goals. Like that, you know, like they have like so much depth and talent, but then sometimes it's, it's stuff just doesn't click and it, you know, that offense isn't, isn't there. And it's the nature of hockey, you know, sometimes the puck just doesn't bounce your way. Yeah. And actually Sammy Walker did, he said something about that. Um, just in regards to LaFontaine, because I, I was kind of curious as to how, um, like what they were saying to him throughout the game, and then they did pull him at the end of the game, which is like, I don't think they, I'd have to check, but I don't think they ever did that in um, the regular season. They might, I think they swapped goalies a few times, but pulling a goalie for an empty net, they rarely did that. Um, and so Walker said to, you know, something to the effect of like, Walker, or not Walker, LaFontaine, he played great, and it wasn't, it wasn't his fault at all. It, it just, Mankato, you know, they had some lucky bounces, and the bounces, they just didn't go our way. And that, and like you said, you know, that that is kind of, that, that's how it goes sometimes because, like, um, I know I talked about shot blocking earlier, but Mankato State, they blocked 23 shots at the, you know. That's like a game's worth of shots on net that they just, didn't that didn't turn into chances because of that shot blocking and so you know things like that and sort of the you know factors like the shot blocking the the um the forechecking I think in the game where I referred to it as they were just getting hemmed out of their zone like they didn't really they weren't able to like push and get like established in their zone and like really get anything going so it was I don't know it was just you know happens yeah an all-around you know really solid um you know defensive performance from Mankato they you know all all credit to them they they put together a a heck of a game um you know one thing interesting too looking forward to the hockey season um basically all college athletes can come back for an extra year of eligibility now um kind of looking at the hockey team has there been anybody who's like indicated interest in coming back and what yeah. What is the roster expecting so, to look like this season? I um this is something I still have to look into because the um it's a little muddier with hockey and just like from my understanding of it, like um like in football or in volleyball, if you have like a someone who's like red shirting, it's like very clear and like you use that language and you know, that's the situation. But with um with hockey, I guess you know, maybe I missed the memo, but at least some of the players, they did have, like, a fifth-year option. I know, um, who was it? Shout-out to Jess Myers on Twitter. He writes for The Rink Live. He um, was keeping a close eye on this. I think 
uh, Jared Moe, backup goaltender, he did um, enter the transfer portal, and I believe um, a few other players did too, but I don't think um, LaFontaine did, but um, there was a goalie. Um, I, I don't know if you could, I wouldn't call him a prospect, but like someone Minnesota was recruiting who had been playing um, up with the Fargo Force who also committed as a goaltender, and I guess he, he was putting up some pretty good numbers. Um, so we don't really we don't really know yet. There's been there's been stuff going around on Twitter, um, but there's not I uh, not that I have seen anyway um, that would that is like concrete. Um, I did hear just this morning actually that um, Scott Reedy he Scott's a, Scott Reedy's a senior. He was um, expected to be like signing with, and I heard this like just. From a friend, but I heard that he w- was um, going to be like signing his contract. He's with the San Jose Sharks, so I guess they were expecting to get him out there pretty soon. Um, I imagine was it Tampa who drafted Lafontaine? Carolina. Carolina. I imagine he's making his way to the pros too. Yeah, and that's something he really wants to come back. Right. That's something I'm not sure about because i did see um uh some people talking about like well okay maybe this fargo first goal goalie signing and and mo entering the transfer portal like okay maybe this fargo force guy and i apologize i don't remember his name right now but he him coming in like okay he'd be the number one because like he's good but then also if and i was under the impression that lafontaine had used up all of his ncaa eligibility because um if people remember, he did do two years at Michigan yes. before this. But, but then with the COVID year, with the COVID year, he one. could come back. And like, I don't imagine, I mean, LaFontaine put up some of the best numbers in the country. So I have a hard time imagining a scenario where Minnesota says, please, please move along now. You know, like, like right. he's good. They're going to want him back if, right. if he's willing to come back. If he is willing and able to come back, I would imagine they would want him back but also you know he is he you know he was drafted like 70 75th overall he's the third round pick um and carolina might want him to to get to camp and get working because he is older you know because he he played at michigan and then he he took some time off and then he did um further develop in the bchl um british columbia Hockey League, yeah, BCHL. Um, and so he, again, at this point, we don't know for sure, but it is possible the roster could look different. Um, I am just looking right now, and, yeah, so, again, credit to Jess Myers for staying on top of this. Um, players entering the tr- – this is from Twitter. Players entering the transfer portal have the option to transfer – it does not sever their ties with their current school, so in theory, they could return. Um, so as far as Jared Moe, he, if LaFontaine decides to move on to the next level, he theoretically could come back yeah. if he doesn't transfer. Like, the transfer portal does not, it's not permanent right. from what I can tell, and I don't, again, I don't know if it works differently in other sports, but um, it nothing's confirmed right now. Yeah. It, with the transfer portal, yeah, you can always opt to come back. Um, yes. 
But yeah, it's always a question of will they, and um, at least you know, willing to keep their options open uh, in those kind of situations. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, I guess as the season's over here, what kind of are your overall thoughts on this team, the way they played? Um, you know, going back, it's it's all it's all said and done now. I guess what yeah, I guess what was it like covering this team this year and mm-hmm. and moving moving on next year now? Yeah, I think just with with this team um and this year this year was a long year and you know I will be the first to admit that you know as their beat reporter on their college on campus paper I I could have done a lot more I could have you know but this year was you know it, it was kind of tough and it was it was weird with like the way they split up the season and they had the you know that little break um but I think from the beginning it was very clear that like they had the potential to go all the way. Like, they they had all the right ingredients. They had a really solid goaltender. And not just LaFontaine. They had, you know, Mo. the games he got in, he did solid as well. And um, they had those really, those really mobile defensemen. They were young. They were fast. Um, their, their offense was... You know, when it clicked, it was it went crazy. Like Scott, you know, Scott Reedy, Sample Ranta, um, McManus, McLaughlin, they had all the right pieces. Um, and it's hard to to say. I don't know. You know, they could. They were. You know, they were right there. And I think from the beginning to the end, it was they did what they were expected I don't know if they did what they were expected to do but they they had the potential to get to where they were at the end of the season like the whole time like you could tell like and this was clear last year too like that like whenever they talk about the team like anyone from the team they're so like close about it and they they believe in their team like so much you know it's like it's kind of the same vibe you get from those like those PJ Fleck like hype up talks in in his press conferences it's like they had it and you know they it was and over the course of the season it was like last year it was like oh they might have it if it like if xyz like you'd see flashes of it but then like this season I guess it was um I just lost my train of thought but they like they had that thing like the whole time like they had that like x factor and it was it was clear that like okay like they like they could do this and they almost did so right they're just a couple games short yeah um, but you know that's the way the the puck the puck is a goofy thing and it'll mm-hmm. bounce your way some nights and and not others but you know looking at this final four frozen four for hockey i mm-hmm. suppose this field, three Minnesota teams, not the Gophers, but three other Minnesota teams. So you got St. Cloud playing Mankato, and then Duluth playing UMass. What are your predictions of, for how this uh, unfolds here? Mm, well, see, Duluth is an interesting one because they were able to skate into you know late into the night against North Dakota without anyone really like you know collapsing on ice or anything obviously their goalie they switched out the goalies yeah, which, cramped up which in my bit. opinion i think that might have been the smart move <laughs> because at the end of that game i mean 
North Dakota's goalie. You're sta- you're standing out there on goalie skates for five hours. I don't know if you can like get your five hole. Uh, I don't know. But I thought at the same time though, it's hard to take. You can't take out a goalie when they're hot either. Like both those guys are playing fantastic. That was a great game, and I think, um, I think it's to Duluth's benefit that they have a little bit of time to like rest. Yeah, (laughs) because like you know they probably need to go like sit in some some like tubs full of ice after that one and like really like get recuperated and you know because you don't want them coming into like after pulling that off you want them to be like as healthy as possible um admittedly umass like eastern east coast hockey uh i i don't know we could i I have not done real thorough scouting on on east basically on teams that aren't in the big 10 this year to be honest but um (laughs) That could be an Need interesting for basketball. one. Yeah. Well, let's we don't have to talk about my March Madness bracket. <laughs> but uh that could be an interesting game. Um remind me again of who's playing. Sorry. So I you just got like St. Cloud watched. playing Mankato and then you have Duluth playing UMass. St. Cloud yeah. playing Mankato and then So the Duluth UMass <laughs> I think was the twenty nineteen championship game. Oh, was it? The Duluth one, yeah. That'll be interesting then. It'll be a... A bit of a rematch. Yeah, a rematch there. Yeah, and then St. Cloud. Oh, well, okay. I I don't know why this didn't occur to me earlier, but the, the storyline in the St. Cloud Mankato game is... Or wait, no. I got that wrong. The Duluth coach... His, Sandlin, yeah. Sandlin, his son, is at Mankato State. Yeah, he won't score so, the game winner when they played... Whoever they played before the Gophers. When they, uh, Quinnipiac? Yeah. Quinnipiac? Quinnipiac. I don't know. I don't know how to pronounce that. Um, but yeah, that, that's an interesting storyline. I know in the, um, when Mankato State was playing the Gophers, they like had Sandlin's mom and like the wife of that coach, they had her like talking and, um, so that'll be interesting to see because that's, you know, it's kind of this little like family affair thing, um. And to St. Cloud, again, with, like, like hockey families, um, St. Cloud State, I, I was watching one of their games, and I think they also have a a Perbix and a McLaughlin. I think they have they have some brothers. Some brothers? Some brothers up there. I think it's McLaughlin. I might be – no, it's Brodzinski. They have a Brodzinski up there, um, one of them. So that should be interesting. Um I believe um, Brodzinski, who plays for St. Cloud State, I think he was injured pretty badly in uh, his regional. I think he he like took like a knee on knee hit or something. Um, oh yeah, that was a that was a rough. He hit. was I like down that. on the ice. Yeah, it was bad. Um, but yeah, I think those should be really good games. I'm interested to see them because you know, like I said, I haven't really seen those teams yet so I'm, I'm interested to see what they could do because honestly I wasn't expecting um the what we got out of the NCHC like after we beat um Omaha that badly I was like okay like maybe the NCHC is not all that but no I was wrong so yeah. that you know that could be those could be really good games to see you know those teams kind of face off for the first time this year you know because 
everyone's been, you know, kind of like comparing notes, I guess, on like how each conference has progressed through this season and like where they where the cards fall at the end. Should be interesting to see. Oh, any predictions? Oh god, I don't know. Um <laughs> I think See, that's my issue. You asked me a question, I just rambled for like however no, you're long. Good. No, I think um I don't know. I think Duluth Mankato. Duluth Mankato? That's what final. I was going to go with too actually. That's, I think the Sandlins are going to be playing each other. Yeah, cuz if you look at uh and that would be like a great you know ending like god like you know if you're like family okay who do you even cheer for right but i think um i think that should be an interesting game i think duluth's roster is a little bit older they like you know they kind of been there before like it's kind of like old news to them at this point going to the frozen four um but and you know freshman this, goalie though oh yeah well and that could be a thing because i think i believe mankato state's goalie is a senior he did hold up. That freshman goalie held up pretty darn good yes. against uh, North Dakota, though. Yeah, there are two goalies. They did uh, – Duluth's two goalies did good. But, yeah, I think seeing uh, Duluth and Mankato in the final would be interesting, kind of get some Minnesota action in there. And I saw um, just some, like, insane stats on, like, the number of Minnesota-born players in the Frozen Four. It was something like there were, like, 44 – kids from minnesota and then like michigan ontario massachusetts is like 9 10 11 like something you know so that's where all the d1 hockey players are from i know state of hockey so we'll be well represented either way but i think um i don't know i think i think i might like to see duluth win it all after because um this has been old news for a couple weeks but north dakota was the number one seed because Minnesota, we were, you know, after the Big Ten, we were like, okay, maybe, you know, Minnesota's going to get the number one seed because they pulled this off, winning the Big Ten tournament. They didn't. North Dakota got it. And then they got knocked out. And so yeah. I think maybe, you know, I mean, within the rankings and everything, if they were able to beat North Dakota, you know, they could pro- I think, you know, they could probably pull off another one. Hopefully not go to as many overtimes though. Yeah, that that I need some sleep eventually. I can't yeah. can't watch another five overtime game, but I think we're on the same page. I'm picking Duluth to win it too. I think they're going to go I don't know if you can call it back to back because there was no yeah. tournament last year, but know. they won the last two before that. They won at least the year before. I yeah. can't remember, but they, I But I'm going to cuz there wasn't there wasn't one in 2020. Right. So I'm I'm going to say that they're going to go back to back. That's my that's my big prediction for this hockey tournament. Yeah, well, we'll see and um they're in Pittsburgh for over spring break, which is a little unfortunate cause after, you know, after that Omaha game, my parents were like, "Can you go to Pittsburgh? Like, we should go to Pittsburgh and like you should cover the game." And I was like, "Yeah." And then we didn't go, but didn't go. Yeah, <laughs> didn't go. But that's you know, it's it's not safe to be traveling right now, anyway, folks. So there's that. There it is. Yeah, that's the lesson from this <laughs> podcast. Don't travel if you don't have to. Which I guess we don't have to now. <laughs> no, <laughs> would have been fun to try to go. It would have been. But yeah. yeah, thank you so much for joining on the podcast here, and it was good to chat about the hockey team and. 
we'll be uh, be waiting for next year to see what happens. Yeah, and in the meantime, um, still got one more soccer game, and I will be on. I'll be on softball too. So. For sure, we'll definitely check out all of your articles online. Got to plug, got to yes, plug all of them. Read all of, click on the links on my Twitter. Read all of my articles. Retweet my articles. Um, hashtag support women in sports. There we go. Hashtag There we go. Uh, well, thanks again for for hopping on here. Yeah, thanks for having me.